I V M. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Triangle Offense. I'm Monish, and as always, I'm joined by Nishant. We had a fun weekend in the NBA. The playoffs have begun, and it's the lower seeds that are having merry. <laughs> Uh, the Lakers lost, which were the only favorites among the lower seed. But all the other seeds, other uh, all the other favorites, I must say, in the Western Conference have kind of fizzled out. The Eastern Conference was fun as well. Uh, Philadelphia and Brooklyn Nets picking up wins, but the Atlanta Hawks came up uh, came up as the victors over the New York Knicks. Whereas the Milwaukee Bucks also beat the uh, Miami Heat in a revenge game from last season. We'll talk all about that and a lot, lot more on today's episode right after this break. Hey Nishant. How do you no. feel? The Lakers, uh, are you are you kind of worried yet? The Lakers lost against the Phoenix Suns. They don't look like the Lakers from last season. Yeah. Or are you just thinking, well, we lost the first game against Portland Trailblazers last season as well. We lost the first game against Houston Rockets yeah. as well. How do you feel? I mean, is it kind of worrying? Is it like, uh, we'll see. First of all, I'm pretty glib uh, because I got most of my predictions right. I think, did I get all of them right? Let's see. In the East, <clears throat> I told you this is it's Bucks easy against the Heat. Yep. Overtime, yep. in fact, is something I didn't even see. So I, I picked the Bucks to win clean. So that I got right. Atlanta was my pick in the New York uh, uh, contest. That I got right. Bro- Brooklyn, I have a lot of. Brooklyn yeah. and Philadelphia, I think, were pretty easy picks. I think you got four out of four in the East. Yeah. In the uh, West, I think the only difference was that Lakers lost. And uh, let's no, see. I said they'll Memphis. Drop a, I, I said they'll drop a game. It might as well be the first game. In fact, I was drawing parallels to the Portland yep. uh, series. Yep. Um, uh, nobody saw the Memphis Grizzlies beat. Yeah, First of all, nobody saw the Memphis Grizzlies in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And then nobody saw the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Utah Jazz as well. So that was surprising. That came out of nowhere. Man, even even at halftime, had you asked me in that game, uh, can Memphis do it? I would have yeah. told you, hell no. It's, a, it's an easy win for Utah. And then they came from, from nowhere. And also, I did not see Portland winning at all. And certainly yeah. not with that kind of margin. So I think I got the East pretty, pretty good. No, uh, the Lakers. Um, but we knew this would happen. Uh, th- I think this is very similar to the bubble last season in the sense that both AD and LeBron uh, took a while to ramp up mm-hmm. and to to kind of get going. Uh, all of those bubble games to close out the regular season last year, they sucked. The Lakers were atrocious from field, terrible from three-point. Uh, they weren't particularly special anyway over the course of the season, even as they picked up the chip, but they were especially bad in the bubble before the playoffs began. I think it's a bit of that again this time around and you'll see... Um, now, do uh, are Lakers fans supposed to panic? Should the Lakers themselves panic? Um, I don't think so. Panic would be when um, Lakers play to their best. Everyone's fit. Or you know we have fitness issues and you know the squad knows that this is it now. It's going to be an uphill climb. Until that's clear, which it's not right now. Um, the only scenario where the Lakers should panic is where they actually play to their potential and they still lose. And they're not able to overcome Phoenix. I don't even think they tried really against... Um, if that wasn't a all well, a kind of half-and-half, one-and-done game against the Warriors, the Lakers were incredibly complacent to start. Warriors came out crashing uh, into the Lakers from, from tip-off. And the Lakers were very, very complacent. It wasn't until the second half that they really got going. And, and, and even put up a fight. Against Phoenix, I thought it was, a, uh, it was some more of the same. Uh, also... Credit to Phoenix, they played exceptionally well and we'll get into that. But um, I think a few things have to change, right? But the main main one is AD has to be aggressive. He has to he has to be aggressive uh, and play on the front foot literally from tip-off. He can't wait for the game to come to him. He can't wait for a lead to develop before getting going. Yep. Um, 
and he's got to fix that short of his because now it's it's two games in a row that he's been miserable from uh, and yet he's trying these contested jump shots and fadeaways and all of that which is great at least the confidence is there but the shot is just not falling so maybe uh, more players in the paint more high percentage finishes for AD uh, things that the team need to do to get him going but he's got to be aggressive both at the defensive and crashing boards and and patrolling his paint but also getting getting points and the other thing is uh, LeBron James currently is in playmaker mode which works when KCP is going off and he's shooting like he did last season and AD is uh, dropping shots and Markeith Morris is giving you two or three three-pointers a game and all that happens it works but but currently given that multiple people need to find their place in the rotation and, and get going and, and Drummond's never going to be an efficient finisher I think LeBron's got to make that switch to uh, kind of recollect the 2018 squad that he carried to the finals without Kyrie and pretty much mm-hmm. without Kevin Love and play, be that guy again, be the primary scorer uh, and not look to get everyone going and then you can get going. I think that's got to change. Uh, and, and once that happens, I think everything else kind of falls into place. Um, but uh, I don't think they should panic. I do want to talk about the Suns though mm-hmm. because I think it's credit to them that they that they won and not really, you know, the Lakers, Lakers yeah. screwing up. Um, everyone's going to look at Devin Booker had a near triple-double. They're going to look at his numbers and say he was the difference maker. Uh, I don't think he was. Uh, no doubt he played exceptionally well, taking nothing away from Devin Booker. But we knew that. We yeah. knew that's what you'll get from Devin Booker. He's nothing short of, of, of spectacular. Uh, as a bunch of analysts will point out, and very rightly so, he's kind of like a smaller-sized Kobe. He reminds you of Kobe in so many ways. Especially the way he scores and the way he creates his own shot. But but I think the story of game one has to be... Because see, Phoenix against the Lakers is an asymmetric battle. It's mm-hmm. one team that has a very strong backcourt against another team that really... It has like a bit part backcourt full of right. role players, but it's forward heavy. It's LeBron and AD and, and Drummond and whoever else. Um, so it's not going to be a linear battle. It's not like... Um, you know, like let's say if the Wizards faced off the Warriors, it would be Steph and blah blah versus well, just Steph. It would be Steph versus uh, Westbrook <laughs> and Beal, right? That's a backcourt on backcourt battle. This isn't that. Um, True. Th- this is an asymmetric battle. So then, um, the net difference of backcourt versus frontcourt, the cross battles, is what decides who the victor is. And to beat the Lakers, when you have spectacular guards like the Phoenix Suns do, you know they'll get points. But to beat the Lakers, you you need to rely on first your uh, front court stopping the Lakers' front court or limiting their offensive prowess, and then getting some points if possible in in this process. So for me, the standout performer was actually DeAndre Ayton. Um, he had monster numbers. I don't remember uh, yep, quite what they were. Sixteen rebounds. But, I think yeah, that was the defining 16. number. If you ask me. Correct. 21 and 16. Not just that, which is surprising in itself when you're going up against AD and, and Drummond, who, right. for whatever flaws he has, can get rebounds at the very least. True. Um, so that, that's A. But B, if you watched the game, Ayton in the pick and roll was giving all kinds of trouble for the Lakers. Uh, AD, Drummond, Schroeder, all of them misread uh, the pick and roll screens that he was setting, the fades that he was doing to the basket, and multiple times. People got caught out of position, um, giving the Suns either open dunks to Aiton or, or free driving lanes for layups to, to other players or even open threes uh, with Aiton himself facilitating the pass. Right. Uh, so you saw a bit of DeAndre Aiton gravity, if I may, in, in that mm-hmm. game, the way he was pulling people away at the screen, especially when Drummond was on him and Drummond had a miserable night, I thought, defensively. 
because whenever he was guarding Aiton, Aiton would roll up high to the to the perimeter, top of the key. Um, Shru, uh, Drummond would follow him. Now Schroeder would be caught in two minds, of course. Do does he chase Devin Booker around the screen or does he does he stay put and and allow the mismatch to happen? Eventually, he chooses to to chase. Uh, now. And the Lakers' pick-and-roll defense was terrible, but chiefly led by Drummond, who got caught out of position one time too many. So now KCP has to rush over, because Schroeder is too late to come around the screen. Booker's going to get an open shot. KCP has to leave his man come rushing over, creates an open three or an open open layup. And they, I thought they ripped the Lakers apart on on pick-and-rolls on yeah. uh, on the on the offensive end. And uh, and I thought Aiden defended the Lakers' pick-and-rolls really well, incredibly well on, on the defensive end. So for me, he was the the standout performer. I agree. I mean, there was a moment in time where Chris Paul got injured and I'm like, uh, not again. And this is going to be a one-sided tournament yeah. if Chris Paul goes off. But he got back. And guess what? He knocked LeBron to the ground and LeBron stayed down for what? One and a half minute? Two minutes? <laughs> that's LeBron. That's like a 270-pounder, six foot ten or six foot nine or whatever. He's not supposed to be rolling around like that. In fact, he's supposed to get up and take charge and be the man. So, it does that not is. create... His third flop of the week or some such. It's embarrassing, honestly. <laughs> I think LeBron really needs to pick himself up literally. And yeah. then uh, if the Lakers have to come back soon, it's got to be LeBron. It's got to be LeBron more than AD, I would say. Even though AD might be the difference creator. But a lot of those intangibles that he gets in uh, and also a lot of the tangibles that he gets in, I think LeBron's going to be the guy that's going to shake all shake yep. his defeat away and bring them back right in. Because if, if the Phoenix go tunnel up, I think... The Lakers are in real, real trouble. It's not even going to go deep. Like, it's not going to go to seven for sure. It's going to finish yeah. in five or six. So, I think Maybe the next game is super important uh, if the Lakers have to have any chance. Talking about uh, hey, upsets. Uh, how... so, uh, quick mm-hmm. quick, quick uh, slip in here. We got a question from Pratik in our uh, DMs about, uh, mm-hmm. about how yep. about... Uh, so, late in the game uh, against the Warriors also, the Lakers switched AD to the five and, and put Drummond yeah, on the second bench. second half, entire second half, yeah. yep. Yeah, so why don't they do that? I, you know, you know what? You just might see them do that because uh, last season against Houston, also that's that's the strategy that Vogel employed. Once right. he saw that Houston is pretty much small ball, right? So who's right? Uh, Dwight Howard, Javale McGee, they're gonna get caught out of position. So they put right. AD at the five, who's quite versatile because he can guard the perimeter also, and they put Markeith Morris at the four, and that kind of worked wonders for them. After game one, they just didn't drop another game, right? Four straight against yep. uh, so a pretty incredible Houston Rockets team. So you might, you may as well uh, see that happening, uh, especially now that AD's shot isn't dropping. So he's not uh, the quintessential, uh, quintessential power forward role, the kind of Tim Duncan uh, number four mold uh, that relies heavily on mid-range shooting and AD creating his own shot off the dribble, off the turn and stuff like that. If that's not dropping and they want to switch up to to post up play, where quite frankly, if AD is at his best posting up Aiton, I don't think Aiton has a, has a chance. So... They, they are much better served switching to that, spacing the floor a little bit, adding maybe Markif Morris or or even Harrell. I'd love to see Harrell at the four mm-hmm. and where AD and Harrell can keep switching. Uh, yeah. That's an interesting combo. Um, but AD yeah. at the five is something that's enticing to me. Uh, Harrell might be wasteful given that he doesn't shoot from the outside. Uh, maybe uh, Kyle Kuzma can come into the rotation a little more because he adds that perimeter threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you'll see that more and more um, in this series because I think Drummond's going to get exposed big time. Uh, against Aiton and against the, uh, because Phoenix have that deadly combo of of a guard of a big man that really knows what he's doing in a pick and roll, who can also be a scoring threat, uh, and an elite back force that can pick you apart uh, if your if your defense breaks down and if you don't hold shape 
in a in a pick and roll both booker and chris paul can do that to you um so ad uh, given there was uh, the versatility he provides and also his defensive iq is far higher than than Drummond. it's a no contest so he'll make better reads i think you'll see the lakers switch to that if it doesn't work after game two yeah totally i mean we mentioned this in a previous episode right if there's anything in the lakers i think it's the depth that really counts and the number of combinations that google can employ mm-hmm. yeah you'll see a lot of changes i think uh like you rightly mentioned i think ad moving to the five is not really uh surprising if uh if that happens yep. talking about upsets how big of an upset was the maps defeating the clippers i i know that you predicted this but Luka Doncic just going off like that getting a yep. triple double right away putting the clippers at the at the staple stadium that too and putting the clippers on the back foot right away wow uh yep. <laughs> i yep. can't even ask you did you see this coming because you did but how <laughs> good is luca i mean is he like just here to take it on already i mean we yep. did say that in the next two three years he's up for a championship but is yep. he already there uh he is there i, I don't think this uh, the franchise is there yet i think he's absolutely there um what people forget about lucas he's been playing at the highest level now for uh, for seven or eight years i don't know what his age is 22 23 yeah, he's been yeah. there for a while because he's been uh he played in europe's uh first year basketball in in spain for madrid uh and he was 16 when he was taking on full-grown men yep and he's been to finals he's been finals mvp in in europe so he's not he's not a stranger to the bright lights sure the nba has the brightest of lights and the best competition but the the pressure and and how prepared he is mentally i think he's already there and you saw that last season not for pursing his injury and some shit calls from the referee I think they would have taken the Clippers out. And you know what? I think they they wouldn't have choked against the Nuggets the way the Clippers did. I think you would have seen the Mavericks in the conference finals mm-hmm. where I mean, the Lakers would have been a bit too much for them to handle uh, given that they're still building their squad. But they would have been there. Um, this season, and I'll tell you what, I didn't see this coming. I saw them winning. And I, I know they're kind of my pick as long as Porzingis is fit and he can defend. Yep. Uh, Mavs were my pick over the Clippers. But that's the thing. He didn't play all that well. He didn't defend all that well. He wasn't great on offense. I don't think Porzingis was a shell of what we've seen from him in the yeah, past. Yeah, he got four rebounds. Like yeah. for center, that Seven tall three. center to get yeah. four rebounds is a joke. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I don't know if I did see this coming because my entire prediction was predicated on him showing up. I, we know Luca will do his thing. Um, but what kind of backup is he going to get? So it was the backup part that I didn't see coming because if, if Porzingis isn't your second best scorer, and then you know Luca's good for a triple double any given Sunday. So then, who is your your uh, second best scorer? Like on that Mavs team, you look around. Who's the guy that you think is the uh, second best scorer? Hardaway, because that's whom yep. you'll commit most of your defenders on. Yep. He wasn't all that great either. Uh, he, he was, was okay. actually no, but the the when you look at Hardaway, you fundamentally expect him to be an outside threat. And right. he, was he good enough to cover for Porzingis' gap? I don't think so. Because he got what he did and a little more of what you'd expect him to get. But not enough certainly to become like another... It wasn't like a Jammer and Brooks situation. Mm-hmm. So then you're looking around and, and they got a ton of points from all of the other... Uh, right. Like Brunson, I thought, had a great game. Brunson got 18. Yeah, that was pretty important off the bench as well. And then Finney Smith came out of nowhere. That was the out-of-syllabus yep. uh, uh, thing. And and I don't know why this happens to the Clippers so many times. If you recollect last season, the Lakers beat them in one game. It was that stretch where uh, mm-hmm. LeBron kind of made an MVP claim. They beat the Clippers and Bucks back-to-back right. and then the whole pandemic happened. Uh, that game was actually the Avery Bradley game. Avery Bradley, mm-hmm. who hardly ever used to get into double digits in scoring for the Lakers, hit five threes and went for a total of, I think, 21 points on that night. 
and that you don't prepare for any other clippers you yep. can prepare for kcp and kuzma and caruso and lebron and ad and all of that but where did this guy come from a bradley with five threes so finishing's performance was a bit like that right came just like out of nowhere and those points were unaccounted for that outside shooting threat was almost like uh, a like for like replacement for seth curry and and that became a a little too much for the clippers to cope uh, cope up with um not very surprisingly and i think you called this or or you said you have a feeling they might choke they they just gave up like fourth quarter clippers they weren't yep. even trying they just gave up by then and it wasn't even that big a lead even when it was single digits they gave up yep. it didn't look like yep. they were the mass went on an 18 5 uh, streak to end the game so yeah. what are the clippers doing the kawai went one from four in the fourth quarter i didn't see that happening though i mean i knew that paul george would not turn up and he did not yeah. but kawai not turning up again was something unexpected i think they defended him well but but i guess looks like they were load managing saving themselves okay i don't know what these guys do anymore man really you run out of theories with the clippers sometimes but let's see it's just one game let's not over um over analyze it but one defining stat though throughout the season in clutch yeah. clippers are the worst team in the league they are per oh, 100 yeah. positions they concede 128 points that's like the worst uh, team in the league per 100 positions in clutch uh, so If you're in the playoffs, you got to be prepared for clutch, and I yeah. don't think the Clippers are there yet. Uh, I won't be surprised if the Mavs run them right and finish this quickly as well. But given that they have Kawhi, I still expect him to bounce back yeah, yeah, and make yeah. it a close series. Yeah, but this is like uh, I said, this is the series of the first round for me in the entire league. This is the series. Yep. Yep. We're talking about upsets. Uh, the biggest upset probably, and probably the most least talked about, uh, would be the Memphis Grizzlies against the Utah Jazz. First of all, on Friday night, Memphis beating the Warriors that itself was an upset. Yeah. But I really, I think I'm not surprised at all. I think they really turned up. Uh, we saw. Uh, I kind of saw this coming. I was, mm. I was kind of worried for the Warriors, and that exactly what happened. They knew it was kind of a plain series for them, right? They, yeah. I mean, they lost to the Warriors just a week ago in the last regular season game, and then right. they faced up again. They knew what they were up against. They knew that they had to guard Curry like their life depended on it, and that right. they did. Yeah. Dylan Brooks was amazing in both oh, yes. these games, and I think he's the breakout star yeah. so far for me. Uh, Jean Morant, as always, he gets his points. He he does what he does best. But Dylan Brooks breaking out like that, first of all, defending Steph Curry on that day, and yesterday he went out for thirty-one points. So I think Memphis Grizzlies and Utah Jazz that's going to be a long series as well. Uh, it's going to be the closest one-eight matchup in recent past. I think. I actually I I don't know if I think this was a flash in the pan performance from Memphis. I I expect them to mm-hmm. play that well. I don't expect the Utah Jazz to, yeah, because they had a big lead. Right, like even if you had asked me, like I said at halftime, I would have said Jazz have this easy. Mike Conley started off hot in the first quarter, true, and 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 he just kind of tapered. He disappeared. What tapered? If he disappeared in the second half, Mike Conley, you couldn't find him. If you uh, like, if you could make money off of it, you wouldn't be able to find him. Uh, Bogdanovich put up some points and whatever, but but I think it was uncharacteristic of Utah. Usually they close out games better, and I know it's ironic given that they. Given what happened in seven games against the Nuggets last season, but yep. uh, I think this team is is a, a team that closes well. I was surprised to see how they kind of capsized against the Memphis uh, Grizzlies, but but that that's what the Grizzlies do to you. A they defend with discipline. They have a very young squad, way too much energy. It's like trying to keep up with a toddler. It's just way too much energy for any team yep. to to contain over four quarters, and uh, for all the talk of and I've been saying this all year that I wanted to see Jamarant in the. Playoffs and boy is he delivering, but right. for all of this, Dylan Brooks, yeah, I think the records show no other defender has been as effective on Steph Curry as Dylan Brooks across this mm-hmm. season. Just direct one to one, 
defense scenarios he's held uh, curry to i think a lower shooting percentage than anyone else when he's faced off directly and then you know he's putting up points he is scoring on transition he is creating his own shot um i don't know what it is about these uh, bubble slash pandemic stars that are emerging it was first warren and mpj last season and mpj is now like a formally established guy and maybe this series will be his uh, his bubble like jamal murray last season for the nuggets mm-hmm. and then you have this guy coming up in memphis i don't know what it is about the west and these pandemic stars but it's, it's interesting it could also be that the utah jazz depend heavily on their three point shooting they are the high, they make the most three pointers yeah. in the league they also concede the least three pointers in the league that really didn't go off for them 12 of 12 of 47 uh, that really needs to fall in if they need to make a chance because they depend so heavily i mean yeah. beat mike conley beat joe ingles beat even jordan clarkson right they all make three pointers quite a bit also. Yeah. bogdanovich yeah mm-hmm. and they all they all went i mean the shot was cold yeah. yesterday and that's what caused this big defeat. Donovan Mitchell's expected to be back for game two and I think that'll make a big difference but Huge. we'll see how scratchy he is because he's missed quite a bit of time. Uh, he's not going to be the Donovan Mitchell before the injury right away so it takes some time for him to blend in but they'll be hoping that he's back as soon as possible and is back in form as soon as possible. I still think it'll be the Jazz in five or six. I, I don't see the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Kind of it might as well be. It might yeah, as well be yeah. but the Grizzlies are super fun team to yeah, watch. Yeah, I won't complain sure. if they make it because they're not going to make life easy on anyone whoever they meet. Just because the pure hustle and energy they bring mm-hmm. to the team. Uh, in the uh, in the last game, the Denver Nuggets uh, kind of suffered an upset against the Portland Trailblazers. Or would you even call it an upset given that they don't have their uh, second superstar in the team? Yeah, credit to them that they have played that well that uh, we're considering this an upset. But I think it was an, an evenly matched game. And uh, just like a couple of other teams, I wouldn't be too worried if I was the Nuggets because they got their points. The only thing that was missing was MPJ's three shooting and as a result, Jokic didn't get any assists because yep. all those passes just remained passes because of all the shots this guy was missing. Yep. But, uh, but but they got their points. Um, neither team played any defense. That's going to be throughout the tournament. I think this is, it's going to be comically bad, the defense on both sides. Um, uh, Portland's bench really came to play. Uh, Melo got mm-hmm. hot in the second quarter and, and but just a bunch of guys, so many players in double digits. So that kind of... Yep. Again, you can't really plan for those eventualities. When that happens, you've got to adjust on the fly. Um, so, it could be a one-off from Portland, but this will be an interesting series though. Uh, I think Jamal Murray's absence will be testing for Denver. I'd still expect them to prevail just because of how good um, Jokic, Nurkic has no shot against Jokic. So, yeah. as in as in how he takes more control of, of scoring, just flat-out scoring in case the other shots are not dropping, um, I think it's still there... Uh, their series to lose because if you're going to put up Lillard versus Jokic pure scoring, I know Lillard's going to get a ton of points, uh, but Jokic can come pretty close because he he's a little more efficient because he's a more he's more of a paint scorer uh, when he chooses to be and and he has MPJ to kind of fill in the blanks. Um, so I, I'd still I'm still with Denver, but it'll be an interesting series with zero defense. <laughs> I totally agree. I think MPJ's shot just didn't go through on that yeah. day and uh, he's he's going to bounce back like we mentioned even in the previous episode. He'll take a million shots. If he misses a million, he's going to take the next shot still if he hasn't. One in ten. So you're going to see him bounce back and I think uh, Denver Nuggets uh, really will make this close. But yeah. great competition. Damien Lillard get going off again 34 from 13. If there was anything you needed to trigger Damien Lillard, this was it. I mean, Steph Curry being a finalist in the top three, he started comparing numbers from the... I mean, a bunch of Portland Trailblazers fans started comparing numbers from last season and this season. Like, why was Lillard not in the top three last season? So, I think if it's easy to trigger Damien Lillard and it's dangerous when you do that. I yeah. think this was a little trigger that he needed before the playoffs. Personal. <laughs> it's personal with Damien Lillard. That was the Western Conference. We'll talk all about the Eastern Conference right after this break. 
Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, we spoke about the Western Conference in our first segment. Uh, now we'll take a look at the Eastern Conference. First up, the Brooklyn Nets went up against the Boston Celtics. It was pretty close until halftime. And believe it or not, the Boston Celtics actually went into the break with a lead. But then the trio turned up in the second half and then it was no competition therein. Yeah. Now, do you think this is a case for Boston Celtics to be optimistic that they held Brooklyn as to no. below 110? Because this was their best chance, right? If you got to beat the Nets, you got to hold them to below... 110, yeah. 115, yeah, 105. Yeah. Mm. And that's what they did. It's just that their offense didn't turn up. Uh, Jason Tatum, a little too much to do for him. Uh, do you think there's any chance to be optimistic? Any reason to be optimistic for the no, Celtics? No, not at all. You got to score too, first of all. You got to hold them to under 110 and then score. Both together are easier said than done when it's largely the same guys that are responsible for achieving <laughs> outcomes. It's not like they have a defensive specialist unit and then it's not like they can rely on, uh, say, Draymond and one Toscano Anderson, etc., to hustle at one end and then Steph kind of takes care of the other end. It's not like that. It's got to be Tatum and smart on both ends of the floor. Kemba is the only kind of exclusively offensive type piece that they have. They dearly missed Jalen Brown and we talked about this. There are three superstars to guard. It's just a fundamental resource crunch in Boston. Who's, who's guarding the third guy? It's always going to be the question that you ask. And that's after they got an outstanding performance. Uh, nine blocks that, that dude almost yeah. had a Williams almost had a triple double off of blocks. So, um, no, I, I think I think this is about as close as the series will come, sadly. Unless mm-hmm. Boston just go like Tatum drop 60 or something on some night. Um, I, I think this is as close as they'll come. Brooklyn were rusty, and as Kevin Durant mentioned in his, I think this is post game notes or, or at halftime, he said, um, first game in front of fans in ages. First game back uh, after injury for him and for Kyrie for a while they've been out and they haven't played in fans ever since. Uh, he said they got over uh, excited. There was there was a lot of adrenaline. They were shooting up, putting up shots for fun, not letting the game come to them. They were rushing it. And then second half they kind of settled down. Steve Nash spoke about this also. Um, they settled down and once they settled down, it's just cold blooded dismantling after that. Um, there's just too many. It, I mean, it was nuts. Uh, James Harden was picking them apart, finding the right pass. Gary Harris doesn't miss a shot after after a point. Um, Kevin Durant, it's it's too easy for him to score. And and then there's there's Kyrie lighting it up every time he gets the ball. Fourth quarter, Kyrie was just dancing around the Boston yeah. defense. And and yeah. it wasn't like they weren't defending. He was hitting fadeaways. He was hitting uh, like triple pirouette turn fadeaways. <laughs> what do you do when he when he does that, right? So um, no, I think it's it's too much for them to do. Um, if if you forced me to answer, what do Boston do to pick up or win mm-hmm. a game? Because they, they can absolutely pick up a game for sure. Um, Tatum has to go off. I think that's true of every single game they play. Marcus Smart uh, and his three shooting is crucial. We, you know what you'll get on defense, but his three shot dropping is crucial. Even last season, a bunch of impressive wins that yeah. they had was when Marcus Smart had four or five threes going and at a yeah. high percentage. Uh, but Kemba has to be Kemba. He absolutely needs to go off. In fact, he needs to be their most aggressive player on the offense right from the word go for them to have any chance. Build a lead, hold momentum, get clutch stops. That's the only way they can get Irvin, but that's hypothetical only. I don't think they'll uh, they'll nick more than a game from the from the Nets. True. I think it's going to be one-sided uh, yep. easily for the Brooklyn Nets. But one series that's not going to be one-sided and they kind of showed it in the first game as the Milwaukee Bucks okay. were taking on the Miami mm-hmm. Heat. That game went into overtime. I mean, what with the Miami Heat? They, they are... <laughs> reg- they are, I can't even describe this. They are pretty ordinary in the regular season. They just scrape through and they finish sixth. And then you turn to the playoffs, you beat the probably the best defense in the league, yeah. uh, at least on paper. 
and one of the best offenses in the league you take them to overtime and then you needed a clutch time match winning shot by chris middleton of all people to <laughs> the series is going to be close right it's not going to be easy for milwaukee bucks yeah. the reason i ask you this is because milwaukee bucks will be facing off against the brooklyn nets in the next round and they need to conserve their energy they can't just go into that game fatigued because you got to take on the nets you got to be fresh and miami heat is the worst opponent you could get before that series yeah they they'll definitely sap a lot of energy they're like a leech that that sucks away um it's 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 just a dogged franchise like right? riley is polstra butler bam it's just a dog <laughs> just don't give up there's no there's no easy wins you get against this team like they could be playing on crutches they'll still get up and try and do something um so it's just that grit but uh i think the milwaukee defense is too good uh, i thought they had a great game miami on offense but i don't see them consistently doing that night in night mm-hmm. out i see milwaukee doing this night in night out and uh, it only went to overtime and came close because milwaukee were atrocious from the line um right. their free throw shooting surprise surprise milwaukee doesn't shoot free throws very well um i don't think too many games are going to end up like this i still see a comfortable series win for for milwaukee maybe in 5 um mm-hmm. but if it goes beyond that if they go to a game 6 or worse a 7 Yeah, they get, catch up. I mean, if they get knocked out, that's it. They're going to get destroyed. But if if they even win in six or seven, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 going to be a. It'll take its toll when you face off against the Nets because then your best players have to play major minutes against the Nets. Yeah, Yanis was kind of disappointing, especially uh, from the line. I would say because he he got like thirteen free throws and just scored six, and that's What below fifty percent for. He is a reigning MVP. I expect him to at least score free throws. So it's kind of ridiculous that he misses so many free throws. Yeah. Uh, I thought he had gotten better in the regular season, and we'll see. It could probably just be a case of nerves, yeah. like performing at the bigger stage when in the things that you're not the best at doing. So probably that's just the nerves, and he'll probably get better as the series progresses along. Jimmy Butler took nine three attempts. I mean, what do you have to say about that? We didn't see that entirely in the regular season. We didn't see it in the playoffs last season as well. Even taking nine threes, I think yes. that's that's really the reason why uh, yeah. Miami Heat didn't really make it uh, this far as well because he just shot two. He yeah. was garbage from three. It's Jimmy Butler. I mean, take him to the playoffs, and he'll take care of exactly. the rest. That's what he said. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's Butler in the playoffs. He'll mop floors if it has to. Uh, if it contributes <laughs> to a win, he'll take threes. He'll go. Commentate from the media box, whatever it takes to get a win. It's, it's Jimmy Butler, man. He'll do whatever to get a win. Uh, the most interesting game series in this uh, conference for me was the New York Knicks taking on the Atlanta Hawks. Fifteen yeah. thousand in the crowd uh, in the Madison Square Garden, in the garden like they say it, and Trey Young just silenced them. How how awesome is that? In your first ever playoff game, uh, Trey Young silencing the Madison Square Garden, the biggest stage of them all. Uh, and we expected the series to go close we expected the series to go the length as well uh, do you see that happening now that you see how close these teams are yeah yeah uh, it's it's a it's an outstanding defense against a red hot offense that's what i, I said and i said i yep. expect the offense to prevail um, um and and that's what we saw in game 1 although not by the kind of margin that i expected um the, the knicks were cold from shooting that is what is so, unusual they were really cold The only reason the scoreline was even close is because Burke suddenly went off. He came out of yep. from out of nowhere and <laughs> got a bunch of points. But otherwise, um, the numbers were atrocious. I think Derrick Rose, uh, Randall, and Barrett combined. I don't remember the exact numbers now, but it's miserable shooting combined. Yep, yep. And, and that's what kind of almost took them out of the game, if not for the bench scoring that they got. Atlanta yeah, were everything that they promised. So I, I think this it it set it up perfectly. The whole series. It's it's going to be exactly like this. Not the trash shooting from the Knicks three, but it's the Knicks defense against the Hawks offense. I think it'll be a damn close series. I still think Atlanta will will prevail. Um, 
if anyone had any doubt as to how impressive this offense is, including clutch scoring and finishing, they put it all out on display. Uh, and uh, most of them haven't yet taken off. I thought they were still just kind of in a lukewarm phase on 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 offense. Once they really get it going, it's going to be a, a frightening sight for for defenses. And how about it, Trey Young, uh, to have Madison Square Garden and it was packed. They had fifteen thousand plus in the yep. stadium that day. Ridiculous um, crowd, um, screaming "fuck Trey Young" throughout the game. <laughs> Had that happened to you for four quarters, uh, and to be not even six feet tall, surrounded by giants on that court, <laughs> to go and drop the game, you know, that's that's ice trade. And this is the reason why I think uh, Knicks would prevail is that because they were trash in shooting, right? And I think yeah. that will get better. Julius Randle, his first playoff game or his first game where he has all the attention to himself. Let me put it that way. He went six of twenty three from uh, from the line. Uh, yeah. I mean, six out of twenty three out of field goals made. Yeah. Uh, that's really not the Randle we saw the entire season. I think he will just bounce back, and that will be the difference maker. It's one game, yeah. So that's the reason why I see the Knicks bouncing back. I think despite him having such a atrocious bad game. They they took it that close and this is the reason why I think the Knicks would really that they got make lucky it though. I wouldn't bank on Ben scoring like that. They they really need him mm-hmm. and Barrett two out of three at least. Um, him Barrett Deros all can't go cold and and still expected to. And they yep. lost, didn't they? I mean it was close, but they lost at the end. So, um, two out of three of those guys have to put points on the board, double digits minimum. But but Randall's really got to go off. I think when he does that, everything else falls into place because when he's scoring, then you get that gravity effect of. Um, now he's getting double teamed, and now that means there are open men, and he's pretty nifty at at spotting the. He's uh, a deft hand at passing it around and racking up yep. assists also. So, uh, yep. I think him getting off is is key. Absolutely, and in the last game in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia 76ers took on the Washington Wizards, and that was close as well. The Wizards went into the break with the lead. Joel Embiid was in foul trouble early on; he got yeah. three fouls in the first ten minutes, and kind of uh, kind of rattled the Sixers, I would say. And then they came back in the second half. Tobias yeah, Harris yeah. literally carried them on his back in the first half. Scored 28 points in the first half itself. And then Embiid was back in the second half and then it was no contest. Uh, do you see this? Uh, again, like I asked you for the Celtics, do you see any chance, any reason for optimism in the Wizards? Because they kind of dragged it till the last three minutes at least. Yeah, I mean, I think the 76ers are the Lakers of the East in terms of the kind of depth that they have and just the sheer uh, number of resources that they have. I mean, if it's not Embiid, it's Simmons. If it's not Simmons, it's Harris. If it's not Harris, you get three shooting from Green and um, Curry and you've got Dwight Howard filling in uh, major minutes. So you don't really lose rim protection too much, even when Embiid's on the bench. Um, They've got too much. They've just got too much firepower. And if the games run close, which you would fully expect them to, Mm -hmm. if not 76ers winning outright, uh, the Wizards aren't really great uh, in in clutch situations. I don't care what the recent record says. They're not they're not very great in clutch situations. The decision making is atrocious. That's the biggest um, problem. Westbrook, both ends of the court. Sometimes it's just mind numbing how uh, how he behaves in clutch situations. Sometimes, sure, he's hit big shots, but you would have plenty of um, examples of just it makes no sense. Like, why did he choose to track that guy down of all people? Why did he choose to foul when? All he had to do was just put a hand up and hope that the shot doesn't go in. It was a Hail Mary yeah. anyway, but he'd go and foul and you get three easy free throws. It just, it does make sense a lot of times what he does in the clutch. So, not a very trustworthy team if things get tight. Certainly not against the defensive prowess of the of the 76ers. So, I don't think this it's going to be close at all. Um, I think it's a cakewalk. 
Yeah, I think so too. I think the Wizards inexperience kind of showed. I mean, it's yeah. kind of ironic that I say inexperience because Russell Westbrook is experienced. He's been playing there for uh, more than 10 years in the league. So, yeah. uh, but the rest of the team was kind of inexperienced, right? Bradley Beal went off for 30 points, but who else is there? I mean, I don't see their... I don't see the number three, number four, number five, number six scoring points uh, like the 76ers have. And mm. for this reason, I think the this should be a sweep yeah. and the Sixers should chill their way into the second Absolutely. round. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, great games coming up today. Milwaukee and Miami round two. Uh, do you see that going close as well? I'll be surprised. I think the Bucks should ease through on this one. I, okay. I hope so. I mean, it's it's very important for the Bucks that they don't stretch themselves before the second round. And the Trailblazers take on the Nuggets as well. The Denver Nuggets really need to make amends for their first loss. And that'll be a close game as well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the Damon Lillard uh, versus Jokic and see who comes up uh, victors over there. I'll be looking at MPJ. I think that's what I'm interested in, in seeing in this game. And for the Bucks, the only way the Heat can bring it even close or maybe even nick a win is if they absolutely shoot lights out from three. I think that's their best hope. But otherwise, it's it's a foregone conclusion. Absolutely. Games coming thick and fast. A lot to look forward to. But that's all the time we have for today. And I'll catch you tomorrow. All right. Just take care, man. Bye.